You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. We've all heard how too much screen time is bad for kids, but is it possible to choose quality over quantity? And is it possible to find quality outside of ABC for Kids? Joe Bogue is the creative director at SLR Productions and directed the animated series based on the book Guess How Much I Love You, which won Best Children's Television Program at the Atom Awards this year. Stay with me. We're going to explain what all of that means in a minute. She's here to talk to us about quality children's entertainment. Hi, Jo. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Now, can you tell us in a nutshell, what is it that you do at SLR? Well, I'm actually the creative director. So I oversee the development, the production, and then the post-production of all the contents. I work with writers, artists, musicians, designers. So I'm like the umbrella director who stays from start to finish and makes sure that we're delivering the show that we intended and that the quality measure is is on every episode, is delivered to what the show should be. And I'm really interested in, in how you determine what quality is, but before we get there, most parents probably haven't heard of the Atom Awards. Why are they important? Well, I think because they're not a peer award. So, so many awards are peer-related, um, and so they're people who are in the same industry who are judging the quality against their own measure, whereas the Adam Awards are are judged by educators, teachers, librarians, and they view the content as to its quality uh, as educators and how they can use the content uh, in learning and education. I have a feeling this is a very big question, (laughs) but I'm going to try it anyway. Um, Obviously, when you've got a project, within that project, you're monitoring quality within that. But Overall, when you're choosing to work on something, how do you determine that it's something that you want to do? Because I'm assuming at SLR, you have an overall mission statement about producing quality entertainment for children. So when you're a parent looking at that question, or I'm looking at that question, I think, okay, so if I'm looking at what my kids watch on TV, how do I determine what is actually better for them, I suppose? Yeah. Um, I think that comes down to, I mean, for us, we do a lot of book adaptations. We, we work with books because we find that if, as, as producers and independent producers in a very competitive marketplace, if we have content that actually is kind of proven connection, that characters are working, that the world is working, that the kids are enjoying it, that's kind of a measure for us in, in terms of taking on a project. And because we have to work at an international level, we, you know, we're such as we are a small, we're a big country, but we're a small population. So budget-wise, we do have to co-produce as independents. So we need to find shows that are universal in nature, as well as kind of working at a local level. Now, all of those elements seem sound to me as classic elements in any kind of entertaining uh, media, let's yep. say. But can something that's entertaining be good for kids? Because I think that's our problem as parents. Like we think, oh, they're just vegging out in front of the TV. And yep. we just assume that's bad, even though we as parents quite like to do that with quality absolutely. programs yes. as well, don't yeah, we? Absolutely. I think sometimes as parents, we, we want everything to have a measure. We need to measure their experience. And as a parent, when I put on my parent hat and I put on my artist hat or making as a storyteller's hat, they're quite different hats. And they have changed as, as over the years of my kids have grown. I've got a 13 and a 10-year-old now. And 
The thing about children's content is that it actually has become very much made for children. So in the past, when we were growing up, we were watching stuff that was made for families, and we watched them as a by as a byproduct of that being family entertainment. But there wasn't really an industry in children's. But now there's so much research um, around audience, and children's television is broken into such distinct categories of preschool, early school, five to seven, six to nine, eight to twelve. Plus. And so a show is made for an audience of that age. And I think for me as a parent, I'm always careful about them watching stuff that is not too old for them because a lot of that stuff, it's not that it's not made for them, but it's just that some of their ideas, the ideas, the challenges within that, um, maybe they're not quite ready for. And I make that choice as a parent to say, well, you, you know, you're not ready to watch Jurassic Park. Even though your friends have, I know that you're going to be really scared. It's going to turn into nightmares. And because, and it all depends on the child as well. Like if your children have that fourth wall where they believe totally and are immersed in that world, then the story is going to be more powerful. But some children don't have that and they're able to see it's just a story. I had fun. Now I'm going to go and play. And it really is child dependent. That's in my, my observation, my experience. But I think also... Quality can be measured in entertainment by good characters, good story, and you can take out of any story if you're a, a, an experience and relate that to your own life. And I think that there's a lot of uh, like people like Disney, Nickelodeon, and Cartoon Network. They do so much research because they're a business around what kids enjoy. And once they hit school, they're at school six hours a day. They're learning all day. They don't want to come home and watch content that's more learning because they're watching that same content actually in school, particularly now with smart screens in classrooms. The the teachers are actually using that in the classroom. So to then come home and watch it again, it's it's like you working. So entertainment can, and again, I view entertainment as a bit like friendships and the world that we live in. There are some friends that you just want to hang out with and some entertainment is that. It's just like sitting in your tracksuit pants and having fun and that's there's nothing wrong with that because that's like downtime and then there's challenging content which is a bit like those friends that you see in the playground that are exciting but you're a bit scared to to be part of that group am I cool enough what do they what is that world like and but that's watching that from a distance in content is a way of of educating themselves and then some stuff which maybe is a little bit more action or violent driven there's a lot of studies around the empowerment that that brings for children in terms of that's why games have a really strong impact with kids. It's not necessarily about them becoming destructive. It's about them being the protagonist and actually fulfilling the quest and actually achieving the, the quest. And that's a powerful thing as a child in a world who has no power. The big shift in children's content is that the children are the protagonists. And I think good content is where the child is in their world making the decisions and they are living with the consequences of those decisions. When it's with younger children, they're usually aided by an adult who will help them and ask some questions about, oh, what happened there? Or like Peppa Pig is a good example. Mummy and Daddy come in and they talk to Peppa about stuff. But those kids in the audience are watching children as protagonists. And I think that we should relax a little bit. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Jo Bogue, who's the creative director at SLR Productions. Basically, she coordinates teams to produce entertainment for children, quality entertainment for children. And um, I've got a few things that you just said then um, that I'd like to go back to. You spoke about how in the industry there are very specific 
age groups that you direct content to. And something that's always, well, has perplexed me since I became a parent is that I've seen so many G-rated films Mm. that have a varying degree of (laughs) G-ratedness, if that makes Mm. sense. So as a parent, we're told to look at the rating and judge, you know, if then we're given age ages based on that rating. But it seems to me that we need the information that you have to so strictly adhere to yeah. to help us make decisions about what's appropriate. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think the G rating is really comes down into a feature movie world. Television is much more bound, particularly Australian television. If, uh, Australian content is, content is bound by C classification. Our work is assessed for um, quality and appropriateness on Australian television. That's part of our standards the commercial licence networks have to comply to. ABC have got their own guidelines within that, but they work outside of the C classification guideline. That's with ACMA. But obviously when we're watching feature films, they're coming from different countries. And so the other interesting thing is, and we find that as creators, is that children's age appropriateness varies really quite considerably from country to country. So American, um, what, they, what we view as preschool, they view as, um, so I guess How Much I Love You on Disney Junior ended up becoming too young for that network because they were hitting their age audience, preschool audience was hitting seven to eight-year-olds. And so Guess How Much I Love You, which is a preschool show, our, our core sweet spot is like a four to five-year-old. Um, and so, but then the audience might be three to seven. That's but you, you have a sweet spot in the middle who kind of really are the who your your uh, protagonists are the age of them. But that ended up being too young for American audiences because they were watching um, uh, the shows that the Disney were making, which were pitching higher. So it's really hard then to say if they make a show and they call it a G, and we watch it in Australia, and it does get classified in Australia. We we obviously have independent classification, but. G is general and it's family and that can be up to, you know, from five to 15-year-olds. And that's there's a whole lot of experience in life in that. So it does come down to the parent, you know, looking at the trailer. Nowadays there's so much more content and uh, information online you can actually gauge. There's common sense media in America do a really good assessment of, of content and they talk about if there's some violence or if there's some inappropriate insinuations of things that they're not quite ready for. That's the thing that I find always shocking because with my 10-year-old son who's like, you know, girls romance, that's that's the thing that grosses him out more than <laughs> So anything like that is – and so sometimes those things can just be one thing and they can shock you. You're like, oh, I forgot that was there. You remember these experiences and you want to watch this film with the family. So you do need to do a bit of research, particularly I think in the feature world. I think that's a broader – the audience is going – they're going for a broader audience. So you can't – you can't expect them to not try to deliver something for the 15-year-old if it's general. Now, with, you were saying that um, you're independent, so you also have to make a living. Yeah. Um, and your animations have appeared on commercial networks. Yeah. I just went into parenthood assuming that the only quality television that my kids could watch is on the ABC. Yeah. And I admit one of my things holding me back from letting them watch commercial television is more the advertising than the actual cartoons themselves. How do you think, I mean, I'm not sure which hat you want to wear in your answer to this question, parent or creator. How do you feel about advertising in cartoons when, because for me, my kids wouldn't know what all these products were. Yeah. With my creator hat on, 
how you make content is through advertising. That is just the model that was made. I mean, that's what we do that's here too. That's what we do here. So, so, yeah. so for me, I understand that my business would not exist without it. If you let your kids look on YouTube, that's actually a broader, I think at least on television, they've got a much stricter control about what they're showing within that time slot or to that audience. Whereas on YouTube, they have YouTube kids now, which is, and they are trying to, um, you know, um, restrict the kind of advertising that will be played on your, but it can't get made otherwise. Who's going to pay for it? If you're wanting to watch it for free and not pay for it, then I think you have to, in a way, accept that that is the exchange. I mean, commercial networks are bound by really strict legislation, so you have to trust that. And if ABC was the only home, then that would mean that only three or four shows would get made a year, whereas the commercial networks currently still have to make local content. Um, Look, just to wrap up, um, your children are older and you say your approach to what they watch has changed over time. Our audience is, is principally with kids under seven. Yep. What's your approach to screen time when we're talking TV? Yep. What's your approach to that kind of time that you allow kids when they're a bit younger? I mean, I'm aware of the power of storytelling and my kids all take stories very um, and it stays with them. And I was like that as a child as well. Like they stay in my conscious. So I've always been very restrictive about what they watch and what's appropriate for them. We don't have TV in the mornings because it's just too much, you know, we've got to get to school and so there's no TV in the mornings. That makes it easy. It's just a blanket approach. We might have something during the week. You know, during the week I do try to put on maybe more David Attenborough style stuff so it doesn't feel like entertainment all the time. But for under sevens, I mean, I think that our perception to downtime is very different now to what we experience. You know, we don't let our kids just play on the street anymore. You know, not all kids have got access to backyards and and all par- and parents work. So that downtime, uh, and with Guess How Much I Love You, we, for us as makers, we wanted to create a space. There was a quiet space on television where you could see the distance and there was air. And, and so it was a bit like having a bit of an outdoor experience. So... I mean, I think it's every family, but the stats these days are showing that kids are watching up to five hours a day. Wow. So when you combine all the screens, going to the car, watching a phone, you know, some iPad at school, watching the screen at school, going home and watching it, it does actually add up. So it's not just your independent screen time. Screen time exists throughout their life in during the day. Wow, there's so much to think about. Jo, thank you so much for coming in today. My pleasure. That's Jo Boak. She's a creative director at SLR Productions. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.